welcome to episode 63 of Fish Across the Ponds, a Marlins UK podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt, and joining me today, back for his second appearance, fresh from a Marlins barbecue, Jonathan Fernley is back in the seat. How are we? It's good to be back. Good to be able to talk about winning baseball again. Absolutely. Since, since you came on this podcast, we've been on an incredible stretch, so... You know, there's... Yeah, I'm not going to claim credit for it, but it's a happy coincidence. <laughs> Absolutely. Great to have you back, buddy. Looking forward to, uh, well, debriefing what's just happened and equally looking forward to uh, the Red Sox series that, that we're just walking into. Um, delighted to welcome on as well two UK Red Sox fans. Um, firstly, and it's his first ever podcast, I believe. So uh, welcome to the show, Harvey Bose. How are we? Uh, brilliant, yeah. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Uh, well, uh, thanks for finding the time. Great to have you on. We'll, we'll go easy on you. Quick intro, though, for the, for the listeners. Firstly, how long have you been a Red Sox fan? And secondly, who's the most underrated player on the Red Sox roster right now? <laughs> uh, oh, a very good question. So I've been a Red Sox fan since uh, 2017, relatively new. I uh, started watching them when I did summer camp out in Maine. Huge Red Sox country over there. Um, watched quite a, lot, a few of their double-A minor league teams, which is uh, up in Maine. So I uh, kind of got indoctrinated over there. And um, obviously World Series win right after it was pretty good. So uh, most underrated player, I mean, for where we are in the table right now, it's kind of hard to say someone's underrated. But um, I, I, quite, I quite like what Martin Perez is doing. I don't know if you could call him underrated because I think the Red Sox fans appreciate him. I think when the rest of the league are looking in and look at his stats, they might not really appreciate the really good job he's been doing. Um, so I'd probably say Martin Perez for that. Like it. Great. Well, uh, great to have you on. Rounding off the Red Sox contingent, uh, it is, I'm, I'm going to just go with this nickname. It's the Boston Mechanic. And he's famed for starting cars that no one else can. Johnny Wall is in the house. Johnny, how are we? Good evening, sir. How are you? No, good. All good. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is going to be a good, fun pleasure uh, of uh, an hour, hour and a half, however long we're going to waffle for. So that's all good. Well, I, I, let's see how we go. I mean, <laughs> I mean, an hour and a half may be required for, uh, for some of these pitching woes in, in Boston. But, you know, we, I won't go there too early. So don't worry. That's all right. Only Harvey... Great to have you along, guys. Looking forward to this episode. It's going to be you know, a lot of fun. I've told my hands up. I have not seen one pitch from the Red Sox this year. So I don't, I don't know where you guys are at. I can, I can see the stand-ins, but um, I haven't seen anything. So I'm, I'm here with open ears to learn from you guys, too. Um, but we'll have fun with it, too. Before we dive into the Red Sox, though, guys, um, we need to, from a Marlins perspective, take a little bit of a look back. Jonathan, if you can... Try and summarize that seven-game series with the Phillies <laughs> as best you can. <laughs> um, the lows went about as low as it was possible to go. We thought we'd set a new low standard with that final game in Atlanta when we uh, left Jordan Yamamoto in until he was pitching like I would have pitched <laughs> um, had I been in the game. Um, but I think we learned from that in that we bounced back the next day and won. And we realized it doesn't matter how many you lose by, it just matters how many games you win. And so the fact that we've had 
three huge defeats over the last week, but every time we've bounced back with a win and that's showing some real character and resilience. And once we got towards the end of the series and we've seen that Phillies bullpen, there's nothing to fear there. Um, and we just outlasted them. I think had the series carried on for a few more games, we'd have kept winning them all um, because we have more pitching depth than they do. Um, yeah, we'll have the odd rough day. We might have one against the Sox. But overall, we've just got mm. enough to beat out some of the teams around us right now. And it was character that got those first couple of wins. And then it was quality that won over the weekend. Yeah. Watching that final game, mate, I, I don't know how you felt, but for me personally, I, I watched that game thinking, we're going to win this game before it even started. I, that was the mentality. I, I have to say, as a Marlins fan, I've never had that mentality. But I came into that game going, we're going to win this game because we're the better team. And we, it's strange to say it right now, okay, the Phillies got a little bit dinged up in that series too, right? With Particularly with Rhea Muto and, and Hoskins going down. Wheeler, obviously, as well, with this finger issue or fingernail. So, you know, they were affected, you know, through the series. And But I came into that game thinking, this is ours to win. And... and you know, we dominated them in that final game, no doubt. And I think, as, as you mentioned, really, as the series went on, we got stronger and, and, and they got weaker, really. So five games out of the seven, though, mate, that's absolutely huge for us, though, isn't it, at this point in the season? Yeah, I mean, who could possibly have predicted a 5-2 series win? I don't know. I don't know any. I'm going to have to dig deep in YouTube archives and see who, who may have been out there talking all that kind of hyperbole going into it. But hey-ho, um, I was up on them. I'd had a few beers and, you know... You know what happens when that, you know, <laughs> predictions can get pretty loose. So um, <laughs> awesome, awesome win, awesome series win. I think this is the important thing when you're playing interdivision this year, right? It's only such a small, short season. Wins and losses in division particularly, they're, they're huge. Which is when it's interesting now when we play the Red Sox, it, it feels different in my opinion. You know, the games still count, but we're not directly impacting the Phillies or the Mets or the Braves by if we win and lose. So it kind of feels slightly different, but anyway, um, let's get into this, this Red Sox series. Just to summarize guys, this is kind of, you know, well, this is recorded uh, before the first game. We're at just about nine o'clock UK time. So the Marlins sit unbelievably at 24 and 21 second in the NL East. Absolute scenes from the Marlins. The Red Sox, 17 and 31. Good for 15th seed in the AL postseason race. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear me. Oh, dear me. Right. Before we, we'll, we'll go backwards a bit, guys. Harvey, I'm coming to you first on this one, buddy. Just try and give me a sense as to what the off-season was like from a Red Sox perspective. I, you know, there were some, some big moves, but try and summarize that if you can. Well, yeah, so simply put, um, our 2019 rotation, which at the time I thought was bad. I mean, I would take that back in a heartbeat. It was uh, so Chris Sale, who's out for the year, uh, was our number one. Then uh, Price, who's obviously at LA and has opted out. Porcello, which is kind of the only guy I'm not really missing because he's not having a great time at the Mets. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, who unfortunately got uh, complications from COVID, uh, hoping he has a speedy recovery and can come back next year. And then Iavoldi in our fifth spot, 
who's the only guy out of that rotation last year who's he's a, he's a not bad four or five guy. He's our ace right now. Um, brought in Martin Perez, who again he's he really isn't a bad four or five, but then he's our two. Uh, and then and you've got these career designated for assignment guys who've just brought in uh, Ryan Weber, Zach Godley, who's I don't know if, how much you can say about Zach Godley. 28 and a third innings pitched, 8.16 ERA, uh, almost a two whip. It's, um, and we keep sending them out there. Uh, yeah. you know, so that's the, obviously the biggest story is our, it's a completely different rotation. Uh, and the bullpen basically didn't get better, but it didn't get worse. And then we've made trades this season and the bullpen's basically just these like revolving guys. Um, not too many bright spots from the bullpen, but they've had their moments, and obviously the big talk from the, the offseason was the Mookie Betts trade. Um, I think it was one of the biggest stories in the MLB off, in the offseason. And, uh, you know, we got, we got Alex Verdugo, who I think has been one of our brightest sparks this season. Uh, he looks really good for the future. Um, I'll talk about him a little bit later, when, you know, in the, the hot and who's not. But very impressed with him so far. And uh, brought in Jose Peraza to try and fix our second base problem and um he's already been designated for assignment so it's not gone oh, cracking yeah. but uh i think going into the season i personally was thinking with this expanded playoff you know the small season uh, i thought we could maybe nick the playoffs because i think it's possible to have a losing record and just make that just make the playoffs and um well not with our losing record uh it's quite clear that what's happening now is we're trying to go for those 2021 draft picks um but yeah, so quite a not brilliant off season, mm-hmm. uh, and it's kind of damage limitation now. Is the the philosophy I think? Yeah, Johnny. What about just let's dive in slightly more into this this Mookie Betts deal. I, yeah, I, from afar, I'm trying to get my head around it. Just summarize what the strategy yeah, was. There the thing one. is, what it is, it's it's it, it goes back further. Um, and it goes back to uh, a GM in Deadly, uh, Deadly Dave Dombrowski, uh, who's got a sort of history of big contracts, basically going, you want a World Series? Have a big contract. You have a World Series ring? Have a big contract. Um, which is fine, but the problem is, is when you start giving out six, seven of them, you start loading up and you're already on a luxury tax issue. And then the owners decide, Actually, Dave, this isn't how we really want to go here. Our, our system is shot to bits. We've got no talent coming through. We lose a couple of guys to injury. And whoops, we've got nothing. So stop the car, call the mechanic, open the boot, get rid of Dave. In comes a chain bloom from uh, Tampa, uh, who has a really good record there of basically buying players on the cheap and turning them into a winning team. And hey, look. The Rays are sitting very nicely yeah. on top of the AL East. And, you know, they being the Yankees have just had a shocking season against them. Uh, great. Um, so it goes, it goes back to that. So Mookie Betts, he had always said from two or three years out, I want to test the free agency market. He's a big union boy. And his philosophy is in order to enhance the ability of all players to earn, I'm going to go and test the market and I'm going to take the biggest standing where I can. Hey, look, you're a pro player. Career mm. short. You take it. No, no harm to that. Boston offered basically eight years 
uh, at a sort of a slightly higher rate than he got at um, LA, and I think it was around 32, 33 million dollars a year. But he wanted 12, and you know he got 12 years. And the Red Sox weren't going to go there. And uh, look, in all honesty, they made the right decision as soon as they realised they couldn't sign him. They had to get back in. I sat in the stands talking to some uh, um, nice New York Yankee fans. Yes, there are a few. Jack, I include Jack uh, in that. Um, at the London games. And I said then, look, quite frankly, we are struggling. I don't think we'll make the playoffs. Now is the time to trade Mookie Betts and get what you can because he's not going to sign a new contract. Mm. It's just no point. So they got where they could. I think they've got a good haul for him. Verdugo um has had a very good season um you know you look at his stats he's hitting over 300 yeah if you compare him to Mookie's stats he's only really behind on OPS and the OPS is mainly because hey Mookie's got a load a stack load of people behind him and so they're gonna you know they're thinking well yeah and I've got an eight nine seven who can hit there's walks everywhere he's getting on base whereas Anthony we can just pitch to you if you hit it great because Oh, look, we've got nothing coming up at number two. It's real danger. Yep. Um, so it goes back to that. Did they make the right decision? Yes. Now, did they foresee that by trying to cut the tax that then they would have COVID and then they'd have to wait until August the 31st, fingers crossed, so the luxury tax got reset, which it did. Now the whole season made sense. You know, the idea is to get below the shantry tax. Next year, they've got about $131 million allocated, um, which will give them some breathing room. The problem is, is and this is it, you know, Dustin Pedroia, he hasn't played. I love DP, love him, and I don't begrudge him, but he hasn't played for the better part of three years, mm-hmm. and he's earning $18 million a year. And he's got another, he's got another, I think he's got, he may even have two seasons left. Will he, will he no, see he the game game back, bless and this is also what spooks the Red Sox about the years with Mookie is that he's going to be 40 and he's a place in the outfield, which is probably fairly injury prone when you're going to start banging into walls and be sprinting. You know, how productive is he going to be from nine to 12? Now, the Dodgers, hey, we're, we're quite happy to take the risk. The Red Sox thought, mm, we've been a bit, we're, we've been shot with Pedroia. We're not going to go down there. Yeah. Um, and, and that was the principal story. And yeah. look, it made sense. It's upset Red Sox Nation because everyone wants to win, win, win. But I think it's a full reset and it's going to take two or three years um, to get back to being, I think, truly competitive with the Rays and the Yankees in that division. And the Blue Jays. Let's not forget the Blue Jays. They're looking very good, young team. Given that then this season has been cut short, not that anyone could foresee it, would this winter have served the Red Sox better if they'd not only traded Mookie but done some more moves to bring in some more talent that's going to peak yeah. in the next couple of years. Have they gone part way when they could have gone all the way? That's a good call, Jonathan. Um, I think I think they are wary of the of the of the supporter base. I think if you'd suddenly traded a Bogart, say, because he had a he now has a you know do not trade clause in his um, in his contract, which wasn't in place until after the trade deadline this year. Could they have traded him to try and get something? Could they have traded someone like a someone like a Devers? Because there's actually a little bit of depth potential at third base. A young player who'd had a cracking season. Could they have traded Vasquez, a catcher, who had had his career season? 
So there were a few pieces. Could they have traded Jackie Bradley Jr.? Well, they were trading him for the last four years, and he's still there. Uh, and I'd actually go as far as to say my sneaky bet would be he'll be re-signed, but he'll obviously be re-signed at a discount. Funny enough, he's having his career, he's having a way above a career average year. Um, he was my sort of unsung hero for the season. Um, so could they have gone further? Yes, I think. Um, will they go further this winter? Yes, I think they probably will. There'll probably be some more chopping blocks. But who? I don't know. Mm. It won't that's be good. a picture, that's for sure, because we won't get anything back. <laughs> maybe, oh. maybe, maybe a cuddly toy or a, <laughs> a free alarm clock. Is it full-blown rebuild now going on for the Red Sox? Is that, is that the next step here? Oh. I think, uh, yeah, for, for High and Bloom, he's got a real task ahead of him. But again, um, yeah, as has been mentioned, he, he did a great job at the Rays. And I've, I've seen some criticism for him, uh, maybe from some people that aren't exactly looking at the bigger picture for some of the trades he made at the deadline. I personally think he did a fantastic job at the trade deadline because we saw Mitch Moreland. Uh, so 30 games with Mitch Moreland bagged us uh, two very decent-looking prospects. And for 30 games of Mitch Morland, again, he, he's like, he's always on these one-year contracts, re-signing quite cheap. And then you get rid of him for 30 games. It's a no-brainer. Yeah, he's having his career year. Um, but we had Bobby Dalbeck waiting to come through, and he's not disappointed. Yeah. Terrific move. Then, obviously, we got, we sent away uh, um, Kevin Pil uh, Pilar and Osik, both for players to be named later. Who knows what that'll look like. I was really happy with the Workman and Hembry trade. Um, two of our bullpen guys who Workman had, uh, again, 30 games of Workman. Hembry had another year, but he's not, he's not terrific. And that got us Pavetta, who I guess he fits in right now because he's not very good at all. But Connor Seabold, I'm extremely excited about. He is very, very highly rated. And in a couple of years, he is going to be right in that Red Sox rotation. He is a terrific prospect. Uh, again, for... A lot, a, many years of Seabold in the future for, you know, half a season of Workman and Hembry. That's absolutely amazing from High and Bloom. So uh, I, I personally think he's done a very good job with the trades. And um, again, next year, I, I don't even think next year is going to be as bad. I just think it's been exacerbated by injuries this year. Because mm -hmm. uh, obviously we get Sale back next year, Erod ne back next year, uh, and then add Martin Perez and Eovaldi uh, into that lineup if they're healthy. You've got four starters that I'm not I, I think are okay um I think more more moves need to be made um but I think yeah again if there's a year to tank it's this year 30, 60 game season get those big draft picks try and reset I think as has been said as well um it might take a couple of years to really get back but High and Bloom's definitely the man for the job I think I think one off-season thing that's coming up that's, that will tell whether the Red Sox might look at some low-hanging fruit is the J.D. Martinez situation. He's having a shocking year for him. He's hitting just over 200. Um, you know, can't get the ball out the park, which he'd be 30, 40 homers man for the last couple of seasons. Mm. He's got another opt-out. The problem for that is who's going to want to pay him his $20 million a year? Um, that therein lies half the time. You know, you take that off the payroll, suddenly you're, you're near 100. You can probably go out and buy and get in some sort of half-decent middle-tier um, free agents just to allow you to bring on some of the kids mm -hmm. because I think that's the program now. There are some decent kids in the system. 
they're going to get a bit of seasoning. And, you know, the Marlins is a perfect example of how sometimes that can unearth some real gems. Um, yeah. And I guess that's the model you guys have done this year, because you've got a good core of half-decent free agent signs that have performed well and have helped to the inexperienced players and, and formed a good nucleus of a team. Absolutely. I, I'll, I'll let Jonathan, I guess, summarise what we've been doing. Um, he, he'd probably do it more eloquently than me anyway, so... Yeah, I mean, the big off-season acquisitions were Jonathan Villar, who has now been traded away for uh, Junior Conine, but brought him in along with um, Joyce, Dickerson, um, and Aguiar. And those players weren't meant to be on the Marlins World Series Championship team of the future. They were meant to be the bridge Mm. to the youngsters who are filling those positions. So Jesus Aguilar will play first base until Lewin Diaz is ready to be a full-time first baseman in a couple of years. Matt Joyce will patrol the outfield until Lewis Brinson or Magnuri Sierra or um, to mention, JJ Plade, um will come up in, in a couple of years. So they're just placeholder free agents on one, two-year contracts. There are always players like that on the market. And if... Uh, we want to offer them a contract again. We, we could do. But there'll be other players who can hit 270 with 20 home runs that you can go and find every off-season. Those were the ones available this season. Um, and again, they're not meant to be part of a winning Marlins team. They're just the bridge. So if those are the sort of players that you want, you can find them. But as always, you grow a little bit of an attachment to them and <laughs> you keep them around now. They are part of a winning Marlins team. Um, but I imagine that the Marlins will look to do something similar. They're not going to make a big free agent splash that blocks somebody else's progress. Marte is in for one year plus an arbitration year. So again, we're not tied into a five, six year deal. He's not going to block center field from Monte Harrison, um, but he's there until Monte's ready. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. You know, you, we only have to look at the moment. You look at the, some of the successful teams that are having, you know, the White Sox, the way they rebuilt their system and now are having a great season. They probably come to fruition. The short season's probably helped them blossom quicker than, than they thought. Toronto is going to be the up team in the AL East in the next couple of years. The Padres are only a game and a half behind LA now. Mm. Uh, you know, LA must be twitching because the pressure is on them. They have to win it this year. They have to win it this year. The more years they go past, they become more like the Sox of the 70s and 80s where, you know, by half season, if you're not in first place, they turn on you. Yeah. Um, so. I agree. I mean, it looks, LA looked so strong. Um, I, you know, I think they're strong favorites to, to take it all, but we'll see. And actually in a shortened season, how will it be viewed anyway in the future? I don't know, but you know, it's, it's just, just on this guys, just for the, uh, for the Red Sox guys, what's the view on the, um, on the expanded playoff situation? Like, like it, dislike it, don't ever do this again, or you okay to look at something, I guess, more innovative than it has been? Oh, Mark, uh, I, I, oh, oh yeah. So, um, I definitely think it's obviously been implemented to make this season a little bit more exciting, but I think it unfairly kind of punishes the, 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 the top finishers. So Los Angeles, for example, I think they have to play another a best of three series yeah, to get do. to the world series. And then again, when you factor in not enough rest days, um, how much of a lottery the, the playoffs could be. It, again, it further 
um, Connor makes it obvious how much of a lottery the, the playoffs can be. Um, again, for this season, great, because, again, it's a bit more baseball. I'll definitely be tuning in with or without the Red Sox. <laughs> probably more likely without the Red Sox. But um, I think going forward, they're probably going to you know, revert back to the uh, the more orthodox playoff system we're used to. I think I think the the, the 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 thing that's in the room that people are forgetting is that what we have coming up is that we we're going to have to have a new contract signed between the MLB and the Players Association, and this has been one of their one of the negotiating points that have been sort of going on in the background. Because let's kid ourselves not, the reason why they've done it is for the money. It's about generating money for the game for the television revenue that has been lost by not having another 100 odd regular season games. It's a big money spinner, the playoffs, the advertising, it's fantastic, increased, increased viewership, etc. Is it a good thing? Like I've been watching the game for way too long now, um, since the mid 90s. And am I a traditionalist? Yes, I am. But do you know what? I don't mind this. I think this is the game has to begin to move on. From everything you hear in the States, it's dying with the young people. And we hear that about all sports over here as well. And cricket, we've got to go in a damn 100 over game now, or 100 ball over game. You know, it's, so they're trying to innovate and move the game. So I actually quite like it. And hey, look, if it throws up some different teams winning a World Series, good on it. You know, as far as I'm concerned, if it means that it isn't just sort of the traditionally bigger, richer teams, and occasionally we have a, you know, one kind of like the Marlins have done in the past, or some agree the Giants back along, suddenly coming from a bit of nowhere to win it. Hey, fantastic. I, I like that format. That's good for the game. A bit of, a bit of varieties. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of with it. I can, I can go with it next season as well. Where were you on this one, Jonathan? I can't remember. It makes all the sense in the world in a short season. The idea of a baseball season is you've got to stretch it out to truly find out who the best teams are over 162 and over 60, you don't know for sure who the best teams are. I mean, at this point last year, I think the Nationals will be challenging the Red Sox for the worst record going. Um, but final 90 games, let's go 60 and 30. Um, that showed the true talent. They had to expand the playoffs just to make sure that the good teams that maybe had a little more misfortune mm. with injuries or what have you didn't get excluded from the postseason. Yeah. You still got an uphill task if, you, if you're getting in as one of the lower seeds. You know, you've got to go and play a a short series and we've seen it so often in that one game wild card that the team who has secured the wild card spot first can fiddle with their rotation and make sure they've got their ace ready for that one game mm -hmm. everyone else battling behind them they're on their fourth fifth starter for that one game playoff and we haven't seen many good ones there have been a lot of lopsided ones yeah yeah and i think what we'll see is the division winners who look like well, not necessarily, but may have wrapped things up with a few days to spare, are going to be able to make sure that in that three-game series, they've got starters one, two, and three. Whereas a lot of other teams down the bottom are going to be scrambling for places and making sure that they just get into the playoffs at all. So I still don't think it's a massive advantage for a short series if you're sneaking in at seven and eight, because yeah. I think you're more likely to be going up against a team's ace. Yeah. I don't mind keeping this in the long term. But there does need to be, one, more of an advantage for the division winners. Yeah. Whether that's a buy, I don't know if you really want teams having a week off at the start of October, or just a slightly tweaked um, 
format lower down. But I never really liked the one game playing. So the fact that we've actually got a proper series of, okay, a best of three is not much, but hey, we play best of threes most weekends and most week series. So that seems like a, a good route into the playoffs. Um, but I want to see the division winners get a little more reward. Um, how we'll do that going forward, that, that's, uh, that's for the bigger people to that's, decide. I, I think that's a good point. And one, one thing I guess throws off that, Jonathan, is that, you know, in the past, the thing that's always upset some teams, and where you have seen some cases, is you, you'll have a, a wild card team that's kind of had to play in a little bit and has had that extra game, and they sort of keep playing, and suddenly you might have five or six days off before you actually have your first game of your series. And sometimes, you know, that can, you know, teams can start very slowly within a, within a divisional series. So I think a wider free game, and, and I think also what it brings in is that you get more teams who are prepared to buy into the season. Because, you know, by the all-star break, you could probably normally write off 40% of teams and say they've got no chance. So they just tank along and do a little bit of this and try and compete for the tops, you know, for the for slots in the draft. And there's so many meaningless series. Whereas this year, I think we've had a lot more meaningful series all the way through. Okay, so it's over a shorter period, but I think that would relate across a fuller a fuller season as well. That you would get teams that are, you know, a team who's probably lying tenth within the AL has a chance of getting in. A few years, you know, last year. You know, quite frankly, the way that some of the divisions get run away with, with Houston and, 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 and the A's having an exceptional record as well, literally it was, you know, good luck. Yeah. You know, and the Rays and Yankees and, and maybe the Red Sox, well, it, you know, Cleveland and that's it. You know, there's no one coming out of that division. So it's, it was very predictable who was going to get now. Hey, who knows? So yeah. I, I quite like it. Good. I, just to, I guess, round this one off. I love it. The, the amount of buzz, intrigue across the whole of MLB, all fan bases, everyone is absolutely pumped because they're in it. And yeah. Johnny, to your point, traditional season, it's a long season and you end up with meaning, meaningless baseball for over half a season. It's pointless. What's the point in that? This has been a lot of fun, but I know I will probably be in the minority on that view I'm not a traditionalist. I'm with you, Pete. I'm with you. But I, I like excitement. Um, I'm okay with random results. If people win tournament baseball, happy days. This isn't a Roto League. There still has to be a playoff. So, um, you know, I'm all, I'm all for it. Right, guys. So, we better actually turn our attention to this three-game series um, between the Marlins and Red Sox. I, th I think, you know, <laughs> sounds like the four of us could go on for some time on, on wider baseball topics, but let's, let's dive into this series. Three-game set. Um, what do you think, I'll start with you, Harvey, what do you think the all-time record is? Marlins, Red Sox. Any idea? Top of your head? Oh. Um, well, I know the Marlins aren't particularly old. What early nineties? Uh, um, oof, I, I want to. Well, I don't know. I don't think I can give you the numbers because I, I actually don't have any uh, a clue how often they've played. But they've I played definitely think that the Reds. Okay, go on. A total of thirty-eight games. Yeah, not, not many. Thirty-eight I'm gonna games in total. I'm going to say. 
22 and 16 to the Red Sox. Okay, so it's a Red Sox win. Okay. Johnny, what about you? Stop Googling. I'm no, 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 no. I'm not Googling. I'm not Googling. No, no, no. I'm much more of a Chrome man myself. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to raise that and I'm going to go a bit stronger on the Red Sox. Only because the Red Sox have had, they have had some good teams over the last 20 years when we've seen the much more extended uh, interleague play. So I'm going to go 30 plus to the Red Sox. Oh, wow. Wow, absolutely lopsided. <laughs> I have no oh, idea. I'm going to go, go bold. Just go bold. Standards. Jonathan, what about you, buddy? The only Marlins Red Sox games I seem to be able to remember are, are ones where the Red Sox just pile on a ton of runs. Mm-hmm. Um, they were talking about a, a game when, in 2003 when Boston um, put 20-plus on the Marlins and the whole thing was, hey, 2003, World Series year. Atlanta puts 29 on it. Here we go again. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of seasons ago, um, a couple of two-game series, I think, in Boston, and we, we seem to give up a ton of run in both games. So it's probably better than I remember, but it, it does kind of feel like it's a sort of 28-10 lopsided series uh, all time. Yeah. But I'm sure it's a little better than I remember it to be. Uh, you know, you're all... In the ballpark, guys, I think it's fair to say. No one's hit, the, hit it on the, on the nose. 26 and 12 is the record. So, no surprise, Johnny went over. <laughs> Come on! Come on! Ever, ever the optimist for sure. But going into this series, guys, last time we played was 2018. So, we played two, two, two game series, if that makes sense. So, a four game, um, four game total for that year. All four were won by the Red Sox. I mean, uh, one thing to say is how much has changed for both of these franchises since that city? You know, when you look at where both teams are now, it's incredible yeah, like yeah. how much has changed. But let's not dwell too much on the past. Three-game series, guys. The Marlins starters line up as, and in order, Sandy Alcantara goes tonight, Trevor Rogers tomorrow, rounded off with Jose Reina. Um, from what I can see from a Red Sox perspective, we've got a debutante, I think, this evening. I think that's correct. Um, yep. Hauk is on the mound. It could be Hook. You know, pronunciation to be determined. Um, we then actually have to be determined going uh, in the second game. And finishing off with Ivaldi, uh, I think, rounding, rounding off the series. Yep. Um, so... I, I look at this, Jonathan, I come to you, mate, just on, from a Marlins perspective. I look at this and think, banana skin. I look at this in some ways, this series, and think, potential banana skin here, because, you know, Arania's not been, you know, overly impressive, let's say, on, on coming back. Trevor Rogers was blown up in his last outing, albeit he's, you know, it, it's common knowledge he was tipping pitches now, so the Phillies knew exactly what was coming and destroyed it. Um, Sandy, obviously, it's a, it's a good matchup against a debutante, but it, is this a banana skin series for the Marlins? It's the first time in a while the Marlins have gone into a series with an expectation that they will win at least two of three. Mm. Normally, the Marlins are hopeful of winning a series, but it's not often the Marlins have a winning record playing against a team with, you know, a quite a severe losing record 
It's just not a situation this team has been in for a while. So playing with that favourites tag, it's interesting to see how the team copes with that. Yeah. But in just in terms of, of the matchups you've mentioned, you look to the uh, to the last game of the series, Uvalde and Urania. Well, that would feel like possibly the only swap pitching wise the Marlins might do. We might take Uvalde over Urania. We've had Uvalde before. We know what he's what he's capable of, and he's he's done some good things over his career. Um, and Jose is our number five starter right yeah. now. So, do the Red Sox have a slight advantage in that one? Possibly. And if game one's going to be a bullpen game, well, when you've not seen a lot of guys before, it's a little bit more difficult because you don't have much of a scouting report. You don't have the experience of having faced them a few days ago. So, the series has kind of worked out well for the, for the Sox in that sense. Mm-hmm. But really, if Sandy can't go out there and throw six plus of two earned runs, then he's not the ace that we want him to be or that we need him to be because this is a time when the Marlins have got ahead of the Phillies. We can't just immediately give it back against a team with a poor record. This is a time for the Marlins pitchers to stand up and say, yeah, we're a top rotation. We're going to prove it by shutting them down. Yeah. I think we'll win two of three, but I'm not sure which two of three. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Harvey, what what are we to expect from from Hauk? I I think you may have seen some of him before so hopefully you've got a scouting report of such for us i uh, just quickly very quickly before i go into that i just want to say a very fun fact the last time i saw a baseball game in the states was that two game series against the marlings i went to both games in late august 2018 which is also what i wanted to this podcast uh so how times have changed those are two very fun games mm. um but yeah so tana tana hauk i believe is the pronunciation, uh, and he's a very interesting case. So he was our first round pick, 24th overall in 2017. Um, so you kind of think, well, that's you know that's not bad. He's coming in uh, maybe a little bit ahead of schedule. But then his minor league numbers are really not terrific. They are so in 2019, uh, it, he was a starter, a double A. And, you know, one four three whip, four two five ERA. Usually, you kind of think as a pitcher, if you're putting up those numbers in AA, you, you know, your control doesn't get better the higher up you go. Uh, he was used as a reliever, uh, more of a middle inning guy for the latter half of 2018 in AAA with slightly improved numbers. But, you know, middle innings in the AAA, latter half of the season, you can't really take those numbers overly seriously. So, you know... On paper, you think, oh, that's an easy game, you know, two-winning guy. But what we haven't seen is he's been working on a splitter at the alternate site the first part of the season. And according to the Red Sox pitching stuff over there, they're really impressed with the splitter. Uh, It's not an overly common pitch anymore in the majors. And I believe it was implemented to make his numbers better against lefties. He's a very big split pitcher. Um, He kind of shuts down righties fairly well. Um, but he was getting punished against lefties and he needed that pitch. So he's a, as he's a, you know, he's got a a four seam fastball, two seam fastball, mid nineties. You're not going to see an absolute flamethrower, a slider and change up very typical. But then with this splitter, you kind of got to think, well, you know, this is his showcase. Like I don't, the Marlins won't have a ton of information on him. No. Um, It's really his chance to say, you know, he's here and this is his season 
you know, any other season he wouldn't have had this opportunity, I don't think. So uh, I, I'm quite excited. I think that this could be a game where, you know, that we might see a surprise or two. Um, so playing devil's advocate on this one, we were three quarters of the way through the season. You've got no pitching, as you've already outlined. Yeah, we're only just seeing him now. Um, it is that is that because he's just not ready? Well, I, I, yeah, he, he, uh, under normal circumstances, he wouldn't be, uh, again, because of his, how bad his numbers are. But then when you look at the Red Sox pitching staff, you can't really do that much worse. Um, <laughs> that's literally the point we're at in this season is, yeah. uh, you know, we've got a rotating bullpen. Uh, and the bullpen numbers, they, you know, the, it's just high ERA after high ERA. And then they have games, basically, they'll have their really good days when the starting rotation explodes. And then the start, Martin Perez will do seven innings of no-hit baseball, and then the bullpen will explode. It's really frustrating. Yeah. Um, but you've got a couple of guys in there. Ryan Brazer having a bit of a bounce back here. Uh, Phillips Valdez coming out of nowhere. He's doing okay. Um, other than that, you know, you've just got a bunch of, again, people that have been designated for assignment from other teams, picked up on waivers yeah. in that bullpen. And, you know, hopefully, I, I don't see this as a bullpen game. I, I, I think they want to see Hook go out there and try and prove himself. I don't think they're going to hook him. <laughs> hook him. Or ha- <laughs> he him. had to say it. <laughs> uh, they're not going to hook him after a few innings if he's pitching well. They're going to see how well he can go. Yeah, I, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, well, and yeah, well, Don't go early on your predictions. Keep, keep that held back right to the end. Um, Johnny, I just, what- just going to add on to this guy. Um, an interesting backstory is that when he got signed and he first, when he first came to the minor league camp, he tried to redesign his, um, his throwing technique over the off season before he even arrived at the big Red Sox camp. And he was trying to throw slightly higher because he's, he's a, he's a low arm sort of three quarter arm slot, almost a bit of a side one, a Chris Sale style. Um, and that's why, because he doesn't have Chris Sale's, sort of control he's very easy lefty the lefty can just line him up he's got no he's, his his issue is going to be vertical movement he has to get to vertical because he's not throwing down yeah and therefore there's no variation because if it comes in on a plane whether it's outside to in as long as it's on one plane these guys can hit it Absolutely. Any, yeah so i think that's been his big issue he's lacked a little bit of consistency when he loses his slot that's his issue now he's coming up this 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 late in the season, I think, I think it's basically they were probably trying to get this sinker going, uh, as uh, sorry the splitter as much as possible. He's got a decent sinker, but you know it's a throw in and see. It's the perfect opportunity. Why what not? Do you do? Here's a taste of the big league. Yeah. If it doesn't work out, you've got another off season and you can go back probably to the minors next year. I think long term he probably is a uh, a reliever. I think right. in the long term. But okay. I think, you know, let's give, you've got to give these kids a chance. Sometimes you never know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, For me, then, the, the key matchup is going to be going up against Jesus Aguilar in the three spot because if you're going to throw a nice splitter to Aguilar, he'll probably ground it into a double play. But if you're a righty throwing it across him and it doesn't sink, he's got a really Praise good the habit. The Lord. Hallelujah. We've got a home run. <laughs> Sounds like Oppo with a boppo to me. Yeah, yeah, that's my boy. He leaves it inside, then he'll he can pull it uh, wherever he wants to. 
But if he's a righty going, you know, across the zone, Aguiar has developed a, quite a good tendency this year to realise I'm not just going to pull everything. I'll single that to right field and give the guy behind me a chance. Yeah. But if you can get the ball moving down on Aguiar, he's a grounded double play candidate every single time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with him, right in the middle of that Marlins lineup, we're going to get a, an indication in that first innings of just how much the ball is moving and if it's doing enough to miss the bat. Yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. That well summarised. Johnny, what's, what's going on on the offensive side? We, we've kind of spent a lot of time pitching, which is natural. But when I look at the lineup and the Red Sox lineup, there's a ton of names, right? A ton of good names there that we all know that should do well. Um, some of them are doing okay, some of them not. H how would you summarize the offensive side from a Red Sox perspective so far? Well, the funny thing is, did you have a look at the overall team stats for the Red Sox hitting? They're a good hitting team. Mm. They're, they're, they're fourth in hits. This is total MLB. Okay. Their average is top 10. Their on-base percentage is top 10. Their second base percentage is second. The problem is, is the RBIs, and you have to scroll down and you scroll down and they're down at 15. It, the biggest problem is situational hitting this year. Right. Yes, but you know, you look at the, you look at the end, of, end of game stats and you, you'd have a look in the hits column. And uh, take, for example, the last series we've had against the Rays. I think we pretty much out-hit the Rays in every one of the games or three of the four games but the problem is when you are RSIP one for 12 yeah you ain't gonna win too many you're not gonna score too many runs they, they can score runs they have a decent batting lineup then flip side obviously what happens is then the the pitching happens and it's a kind of like oh well you scored more than us you know we've had quite a lot of sort of five seven games five eight games and um, and they don't help uh, yeah. But the offense is good. The offense is decent. The, the yeah. fielding, it's weakened by having Mookie Betts and, but I should also say probably Ben Attendee out. Mm -hmm. uh, at left, uh, he's probably been a bigger loss because Verdugo's actually been pretty decent at right field. Um, Devers, he, he blows hot and cold. You know, some days he'll be magical in the field and the next day he looks like he's only just found out that it's baseball he's playing. Um, you know, he's a proper airmail candidate at first base. Um, you know, you some of them, but Sander Bogarts is good up the middle. So, you know, Vasquez behind the plate is a, is a proper catcher's catcher. You know, he's old school, got a bullet of an arm to, to, to play down. So, they're not fundamentally a bad team, hitting wise, they're just being incredibly exposed by a couple of weak uh, sort of weaknesses within that. They can't get anyone over the over home plate and the pitching is just an implosion now i think that it, i my instinct is i'd probably go with jonathan and probably go two for three for for the marlins and i kind of kind of kind of i'm on this website uh, on this podcast so i'm going to say yes let's have that um you can go sweep i could easily flip red sox sweep it's okay here i could easily flip that and say look it's two for three for red sox that's the way they got you, you really honestly you wake up in the morning uh, and I've got two young kids, so I don't stay up and watch all the games. And you're kind of thinking, well, what's my phone going to tell me? I have no idea. <laughs> I, honestly, I just have no idea whether we're going to win or lose. Yeah. Um, and it's that, that's fundamentally, this, that's, that's been our season, really. It's, it's yeah. just inconsistency. But what, really, do you think the, what do you think the difference is going to be playing in a big pitcher's park like Marlins Park, as opposed to a hitter's park like Fenway? 
funny see we, we we will probably be better because we are uh, we're not a heavy home run team so we're a lot we we're, we're a lot of two bags uh with a lot, lot of singles and doubles and and so actually it may play into our hitters advantage we may see better running uh, uh runners scoring um you know but then i throw my hands up and go i have no idea it's one of those seasons jonathan i have no idea um, you know, you look at 2018 when we last played, you know, the Red Sox offense, it was, it was just phenomenal that year. It could hit home runs, it could steal bases, it could hit for position, in positions. Um, it was, I think it had, I think it broke, almost broke the record for the number of second base um, uh, at bats. Uh, you know, there just wasn't a weakness in the team. There is fundamentally, the same lineup, less Mookie Betts, uh, and probably one or two batting at the bottom end. Maybe a you know someone like a a Morland batting in the seven slot or something like that. The problem is, is that without with Martinez particularly having a down year, there is no danger. Xander Bogarts is not going to kill you by hitting the long ball. Mm-hmm. He's gonna he's he's a he's a he's a very good hitter in the four hole, but he's he, you know he's more likely to hit you a double to right field. Uh, and so teams can be a bit more aggressive with pitching. And that's why you've seen whilst they've still get their hits, the runs are, are way down. Yeah. Well, just on, on run, well, I'm going to slightly segue it to run differential. Harvey, the Red Sox have a minus 72 run <laughs> differential. <laughs> if yeah. you can try and explain that one for me. It, is this purely, is, you know, and just to add some extra context, the Marlins, who are in second spot and have a winning record, have a minus 22, I think, run diff. So there's one, wow. there's one main reason for us for that is we lost one game by 20, 20 runs. So. <laughs> <laughs> what about the Red Sox side? <laughs> what's, what's triggering that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. I remember checking, I think about 20 games into the season, and we actually had the exact same run scored as the Yankees, who were at the time in first place. Mm-hmm. And we had something daft like 72 more runs uh, cons- uh, against than the Yankees. And I get, when, when the Red Sox lose, <laughs> we really lose. Mm-hmm. Again, it's, you, you're sending these bullpen guys out there to just get those giant ERAs. And... Um, Again, it, it, part of it is Fenway, which is funny because our offense isn't exploiting the hitter-friendly nature of Fenway. If you look at Bobby Dahlbeck, big power hitting first baseman that's been brought up, six home runs so far, and I don't think I've seen him. He must have, but I don't think I've seen what, him hit one over the monster yet. He's got massive opposite field home run mm-hmm. power. And again, in, in, in Fenway, uh, one of the deepest right fields, uh, like that weird little curve you've got down there. It's super deep down there. And he's just pushing it over there like it's nothing. He's got serious power. Um, I, I honestly think that the Marlins Park will probably benefit our pitchers uh, a lot more than it might seem. There's, and, been, there's been some home runs flying, though, in Marlins Park as well. I mean, they've brought the fences slightly in this year, mm-hmm. so it's not huge, but... The ball's definitely been flying, I think, in Marlins Park for sure. In the, you know, the, we've only played, I don't know, don't even know how many games we played there. Fifteen max, if that. I don't know. We've played, uh, we've hardly played any at home. But um, 
Are you caught right, up in the games now, Pete? Are you, where are you guys in terms? Because obviously, the slow start with the with the COVID cases and stuff. Would you like to get your sixty games in? Are you? Yeah, we're, we're going to get sixty in. That what they've done, which I think has been the method now, is you just these seven innings double headers, right? You just you just hammering them. So we've had over the weekend just gone. We've had two two double headers, uh, Friday Sunday, and we've got the same to come this weekend. So we're basically playing. I don't know, 15 games in eight days or something, I think is, is how it stacks up. So it's a crazy schedule, but, you know, the boys, the boys are riding the wave, right? And I think we are talking about free agent acquisitions earlier. When you were asked saying, you know, you guys are plugging and playing, the main thing I'd say for the Marlins that my takeaway anyway is the free agents that were brought in have, have really added to the clubhouse, the mm. culture, it's been huge. Like Aguilar is a huge, huge part of that clubhouse. So's Joyce. Um, Savelli was exactly the same. Like these dudes, they're not, they're not superstars. They aren't. But culturally, they're really, really good. So it's been a big part for us. And, um, you know, when, you, when you're winning games, playing extra games, you can get through it, right? It's when, yeah. It's when you've got a Red Sox record and you've got to go on that type of run. You think, oh God, this is just this is painful, you know. But there's there's a you know a prize in sight for the Marlins. So the boys are, are pedal down. And I let's get into the series predictions, guys. I think it's a nice kind of moment because I'm I'm nervous about this one actually. The Marlins will be favourites, or well, I say fa- we are we must be favourites for this series, and we we should be expected to win the series my view is that the way the the pitching has kind of lined up it looks a bit awkward from a marlins perspective so we're gonna have to get a good outing out of jose or trevor rogers or sandy i mean you know it's possible he doesn't go great the red sox can hit i think that's what you said johnny right i mean yeah yeah, they can hit hit. hit. they got guys that can hit i i'm nervous I'm actually nervous about this one, only because you've had a massive seven-game series with the Phillies. You come out of it five wins. What do you naturally do? Deflate. Yeah. I, I, and I'm just – this game is a, is a, is, is a tone setter tonight. So I'm going to go with a, with a 2-1 win, only because we're going to get tonight. And the other thing I'll add to guys as well to add fit from your perspective is – an MVP of the series. So if you can think of that too, <laughs> prediction an MVP. My MVP from a Marlins perspective or of the series will be Matt Joyce. Comes back to your point, John, you were saying earlier about lefties who can just hit through the plane. Yeah. Matt Joyce is that man for us. I think yeah. Um, yeah. he's going to at least start two of the games because you've got two righties going, I've seen. I don't know who's going in your middle game, but Joycey will play plenty. So for me, Marlins 2-1. Matt Joyce, um, our MVP. Harvey, do you want to go next, buddy? Oh uh, yeah, sure. Um, for once, the Red Sox are—they uh, actually we just we just split a series with the Rays uh, to two-two, and it Rays one of the hottest teams in baseball right now. I—I I mean, I think that's a pretty pretty good result. Um, some close games in that as well. So we're coming off. I say the boys would be happy with that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing where the the Rays are, and a couple of new additions uh, with Yairo Munoz, uh, Christian Arroyo. Uh, we're kind of playing a little uh, uh, kind of a, a musical chairs. Who's going to play left field? Because we didn't actually get a replacement for Kevin Pillar. Mm-hmm. So we kind of send, I think I'm going to be out there in a few games, to be honest. 
Um, but no, those guys have done quite well, and they've kind of started to get a little bit of a little bit of rhythm, if that's possible. And I, very very optimistically, I think it's going to be two one to the Red Sox. That's what I want it to be. Um, I think there's going to be, I think we're going to win one game fairly decently. I think we're going to lose one game rather convincingly, as we always do. I think there's going to be a really close game in there, and it could be tonight, which is what's going to be very interesting. Mm. And for the MVP, I kind of had a look at the players thinking, well, I'm not giving it to a pitcher. We've established that. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of think Devers has started to pick up his pace a little bit. Um, over the last week, he's hitting like 500 or something. and He does that. Once he starts to hit, he really he just hits everything extremely hard. Mm. He had a very slow start. Uh, he's my pick to click for this, uh, this Ooh, series. Yeah. I'm going to go Rafael Devers. Awesome. And that, that phrase has now been coined for a future <laughs> episode. So, um, Johnny, what about you, buddy? And I'll leave, I'll leave Jonathan to last. Um, I, I, my instinct says to me this is going to be high scoring for all the reasons that both Harvey and me have discussed from, from a Red Sox end and looking at the way that um, the Marlins is set up. I think there's some good pro hitters in that team that will, particularly to this young kid, if he, if he, is, if he lacks a bit of movement, he, they, they're going to they're gonna hit him and hit him early. Mm. Um, mm, I'm going to say 200 Red Sox because, you know, you, you no. like me to be optimistic, Pete. You know me. Uh, I'm just surprised you didn't get the, the broom out, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I haven't got that out very often this season. Um, but yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say two on Red Sox. But again, it, it, I think it is such a tight little series that mm. I think that we could easily it could easily go the other way. And I'm not sure that the Red Sox would necessarily have played badly if that happens. I yep. think it's you know it'd be one of those. Well, let's have some good baseball. Let's have some fun baseball. That's what we Yeah, fun, fun, ba- fun baseball is, is fine with me too. What about MVP for the series? MVP on that basis, I, I'm going to... Ah, dear. I'm trying to think. It could be any of... I'll tell you what I'm going to say. I'm, I'm actually going to go for... I'm going to go for Jackie Bradley because I just think the guy's actually hitting really well. He is quite a, uh, a hot streaky hitter. He's hitting well at the moment. He's having his best year with the bat for some time. And hey, it might be the last time I can give JBJ's a bit of love on a podcast. Yeah. JBJ. Fair enough. Sounds good. So we've got one Marlins win, 2-1, and then two Red Sox wins, 2-1. Jonathan, I think I know which way you're going, but... <laughs> I don't, I'd said earlier on that I think it'll be 2-1, and it'll be based 2-1 based on when our pitching runs out, because there'll be a time when the Marlins' bullpen doesn't have everybody available. Tonight, because the Marlins pulled away yesterday, they didn't have to use Kinsler, they didn't have to use Garcia, they didn't, mm. so those two plus Blyatt, there are enough relievers to get through tonight if Sandy has an off night. Mm. But we can't do that again the day after and the day after that. So I'm concerned that Rogers doesn't have a great start the bullpen bails him out, and then there's nobody left to pick up Arania if he can't go six um, mm. on Thursday. So I think we'll take the first two, and I think we'll uh, we'll drop game three of the series for a 2-1 Marlins win. My pick for the series, I'm going to go a little bit left field, and I don't normally do this. This is not my way. Corey Dickerson? 
No. Dick, <laughs> you might do something, but I'm going to go Jazz Chisholm. Mm. And that's not normally my way, because if there's been one thing I've been critical of this year, it's been the young hitters who aren't quite ready. But it comes back to the point you were making a while ago um, about how do the Marlins get up for this series after such a big seven-game series against a division rival? Is this a bit of a letdown? We need some youthful exuberance. Mm. And Jazz is the player in the lineup who will bring that. And he started to hit a little better. And now, with Isan Diaz done, second base is his. John Bertie's not ready to return. Sean Rodriguez isn't going to get in the starting lineup. He might come in as a defensive replacement. But Jazz isn't going to be lifted for a pinch hitter for Sean Rodriguez if he's hitting 170. So Jazz is going to get three days of playing second base. He's going to see a lot of pitches, and I think he's going to do some damage. Mm. Um, Love it. I've, yeah, okay. just, okay, winning me round. Now, Pete, the most important thing I needed to ask you tonight, how is the speed skater? The speed skater? <laughs> well, how is he? Tell me, he, tell me, he's still with you. He's, he's had an up and down um, few weeks where he was on the, on the DL at one point. No, he was on the... Paternity? No, the what was he on the paternity list? <laughs> what well, his current situation is that he's been designated for assignment. So with Isan Diaz now on the sixty-day DL, we could do with another second baseman, but we can't call up Eddie, Eddie Alvarez because he's still yeah. designated for assignment for another day or two. So we've had to bring up Sean Rodriguez. So Eddie Alvarez might be back later in the series, um, but he's not ready to be back tonight. But uh, if you want him, claim him. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Hey, he'd be good. At, he'd be good at Fenway in the winter months. Let's just say that. Absolutely, absolutely. He's had a, he's had an up and down couple of weeks where I'm pretty sure he was on the paternity list. He then went to the alternate site. He was back up for a game or two. Then he's been DFA'd. So, you know, he's um, it's been an interesting ride for the guy. He's now in DFA limbo. I think is 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 what Jonathan's saying, which is true. We actually probably could do with him back we'll see how that plays out the next day or two but there we go guys i think we're just about out of time so that was a lot of fun and i have learned stuff about the red Sox, and i'm intrigued i'm really intrigued to see how this series goes so um to you guys harvey great job on the first ever ever podcast mate i thought you did excellent so um we'll definitely have you back uh what, it'd probably be about two years' time till uh, when we play again. <laughs> there we go. Hopefully our pitching will have improved a little bit before, uh, by then. Absolutely. And thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Good. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Johnny, the mechanic, great to have you on, buddy. A lot of insight too, mate. Hope you enjoyed that as well. Yeah, always a pleasure, buddy. Always a pleasure. And uh, we'll no doubt have some, make some fun Sunday evening calls fairly soon. Uh, oh, absolutely. Um, wouldn't, it be great? wouldn't it be great if we could have a game together? Some oppo boppo and starting the cars. It oh. would just they pee, wouldn't he? Dave wouldn't know what to do with us. Absolutely, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. The airwaves would be blown. Um, <laughs> Jonathan Fernley back in the seat again. Second appearance. Absolutely stellar, buddy. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you enjoyed that one. Before we go, we've just got to flip it around. You're too modest to mention it, Peter. But fish stripes, fish picks winner last week. And your iconic home run call picked up by Glenn Geffner on Marlins Radio. What a couple of days you've just had.
Absolutely. Uh, it was a lot of fun. What a season this is. This is 2020 baseball, right? Where you've got little old me sat here um, in Leeds and um, there's, there's Marlins radio rolling out our in-play runs calls on the radio live. It's, it's insane, but hey, such good fun. Someone's such had a good, good COVID year. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, that is episode 63 in the books. It's going to be a fun series. Me and the rest of the regular goats, we will be back post-game after Thursday. So we will be live straight after the, the final game. Many beers on board. Let's see what let's see what topics we're talking about. Until then, uh, enjoy this one. We'll be back very soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks.